What's going on? Welcome to Kinnell and Bell. Do I have to say it? What do you mean? The you U is back. Yeah, the U is back. Yeah, all right. I, at least I don't have to throw up the U and like do all that stuff. But as part of our wager, I do have to proclaim the University of Miami. The U is back after that impressive win uh, against Florida State. I will. I just want to get this quickly out of the way. We all have right. a big show. We're going to get to NBA action. Uh, college football playoff rankings are released tonight. We'll get our thoughts on those, uh, um, including the Monday night game from last night. But since we started off with the U is back, Florida State news. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of speculation. Raja, I'm really nervous that Florida State fans are going to embarrass themselves somewhat in this process, and it has already started somewhat, because last night there was a report that came out of Tallahassee by the local sports station, and it said, sources say a deal is done with Bob Stoops. And I said, okay, like, I don't know if I believe it. Right. Fans are running it. I was hit up all night. Hey, are you buying the news? Is it real? Is it coming? And the sources have confirmed this television station who's not used to this situation, right? They're used to local stories. Sure. I don't think they understand the magnitude of this and how they can get used. And sometimes sources that may be reliable in local news may not be the most reliable uh, in a scale of like this. I would just caution Florida State fans, don't embarrass yourselves by buying into every rumor and then getting upset when it doesn't happen. Um, other fan bases have done this before. Tennessee famously thought they were getting John Gruden for a long time. Right. Hey. And then when they got a coach, they didn't like him, so they got outraged, and they ended up not going it with Greg Sheehan. It was embarrassing. Florida State fans, stay patient. Don't believe anything until you hear the announcement from Florida State. That's the simple, simplest advice I could get. Bob Stoops, yes, he would be a great hire. I think they should call him. I just don't think he's going to come back to college football. So don't believe the reports you see until you hear it from the, the horse's mouth. Sage advice, bro. And I would even say, look, Bob Stoops is a great name. Yeah. Urban Meyer, another great name. Right. I would still have a process of of of, totally. of of going through the whole thing with with everybody. Take my time with a hire. I don't care what name it was. Like at this point, if I'm Florida State, Got to make sure I get it right. Right. So it's not going to be leaping back into a relationship with anyone. We're going to take our time with this one. Yes. So don't believe everything you read out there. Don't get all excited. Don't get upset when it doesn't happen. Just let the process run its court. All right. Monday Night Football. Uh, the Cowboys-Giants had a good half of a game. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's kind of crazy, I don't know if you're superstitious at all, there was a black cat that ran across the field. I was watching the game. With one of our bosses, Karen yeah. Portley, yeah. and I said, "Uh oh, this is not good." And he, we were debating, "Does it have to cross your face? What does this mean for the Giants? Like, what is exactly the bad luck that has to happen?" If a black, I think if it's on the field on Monday Night Football and it takes that long to get it, it was not a good omen, and it played out. There was actually some stats from the game of how it shifted on a dime yeah. after that black cat was on the field for you know two or three minutes. That the game did take a nosedive for the Giants, and they ended up losing uh, thirty-seven to eighteen. Um, in the second half, it was pretty much it turned on the dime after that black cat was there. I don't know if you're superstitious. Uh, I am. I think in in your daily in your day to day, like if you're walking around, yeah, but it, it, ha- it has to like cross your path. Yes. But if you're in a setting like that, like football game, soccer game, basketball game, it's just got to be on the court. Once it makes its presence known to the national like viewing audience, you yes. are now jinxed. Yes, it is. Uh, it is just not a good situation. I thought the Cowboys. I believe this from the start of the season. I think they're starting to show themselves as the best team in the NFC East. I know yeah. the Eagles fans would like to have something to uh, say something about that. I still think the Cowboys lost to the Jets. It was more of just a write-off, hey, they overlooked them. And there was no chance they were going to lose last night after that embarrassing loss to the Jets earlier. You're saying the Eagles are the better team there? No, the I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, like, Dallas looked – they didn't look great pre Black cat. <laughs> yes. All right. In the first half. Correct. Black cat. They got it together. Um, 
they did what you've been saying and and uh, forever is they got Ezekiel Elliott involved. He had another you know 130 some yards uh, on the ground, which is you know right in the wheelhouse of who they want to be as a team to be successful. Dak made some timely plays with some of his receivers. And he bounced back after a rough first quarter with an interception. He came back three touchdowns and 257. But here's what I'll say. And while they might be the best team in that division, Mm -hmm. like that's a different conversation, I guess, than whether I buy them or or not, like in the whole of the NFL. Correct. Because they've only really won. They beat the Giants twice. Yep. Right? They beat the Redskins. They beat the Dolphins. Right? And and of those four, and the the other win is against a top, their 20th ranked defense. But those teams are all awful. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, like, the question is whether they have sustainability offensively against the better uh, defenses in the NFL. They, you'll see that coming up in the next month or so. But to this point, I don't know that I can say I trust that offense. Agreed. I would say that, too. I would look at them cautiously. And it's more of an indictment on the NFC East being not as strong as some right. of these other divisions. Because preseason, I did pick the Cowboys to play in the NFC Championship game against the Seattle Seahawks. I would dial that back now. I would obviously pick a different team there. So, I'm not as... Uh, confidence them making that deep run as I were uh, as I was before. Daniel Jones on the other side, quarterback for the Giants. Rook, I think you can still tell he's in his sixth game. I think he still looks and I felt worried for him because he's he's really seen the highs and lows of being a quarterback in New York really early in his career. Mm-hmm. He was booed in the draft. Then he's portrayed as the savior in preseason. Then he has his first game and it's one of the best impressive rookie debuts ever. And it's oh my gosh, he's Hall of Famer. Then where it's back to reality. Now it's back down to where you kind of expect him to be. He's already experiencing this. I think he's still going to be fine. I still feel he could be sort of in the same boat as Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, which is not a good place to be if you're a Giants fan. Like You want to either know, hey, he's the future, he's the next 10 years, or he's he's a bust and he's gone so you can move on. But I think they might be in that tweener spot. And a lot of it's probably going to depend on the job that people do around him. Sure. Putting talent around him. How do they get the offensive line? Do they give him some weapons to work with after trading away Odell Beckham? So I think he's really at the mercy of the New York Giants, which is similar to what Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota faced with their respective teams. The one thing that I will say for him, I think you might be right. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a bust, but could be could fall in that tweener area. Uh, I do think it's it's helpful that he is kind of like an unflappable type of personality. Like, he's not one of those guys like a baker that's really high with the highs and really low with the lows and, like, popping off at the mouth every chance he gets. So, you know, especially in a city like New York where there is going to be an overreaction to every single result, right? He's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then he can't play quarterback the next week. You kind of have to have a steady personality. I mean, you would know that. But I think that helps him. I do. And I think the one tough decision that the Giants are going to have to make is what to do with Pat Shermer. I feel like he's going to get a pass, and they'll keep him another year. Um, because of some of the optimism you've seen sure. and because, hey, it's a transition. You started with Eli. You're kind of making this move here where you can excuse a poor record for the team. So I feel like they'll keep on the same direction with uh, Pat Shermer, but I think a lot of it depends on how they look at the back end of the season, mm-hmm. and they want to still keep seeing improvement uh, from Daniel Jones there, obviously. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I mentioned them. I still am a believer that this team – He's going to have that successful run. It's getting a little dicier as the competition looks a lot better. I did not see the 49ers being the lone remaining NFL team that's undefeated as strong as they are. Russell Wilson, without question, is in the MVP conversation, right? He's a quarterback. What he's doing, uh, including over the weekend where he had five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Once again, put the team on his back. He had the game-winning uh, t- a touchdown in overtime on the season. 22 touchdowns and only one interception. Is he your leader in the clubhouse as he is, according to Las Vegas, three to one odds, the same as Lamar Jackson 
uh, Aaron Rodgers behind him with Sean Watson at five to one, and then Patrick Mahomes, due to his injury, has opened up this race. He's at twelve to one, followed by Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I think it's got to be it's got to be Russell Wilson. I mean, for me, Lamar and and Christian McCaffrey are right there in the conversation. But I think Russell Wilson, um, for for what he does, I mean, look, the twenty two to one touchdown to interceptions is ridiculous. The sixty eight point three completion percentage, one hundred eighteen point two passer rating, all you know, first in the NFL. Um, but just generally trusting a guy down the stretch, like to make to make the plays on a game-winning drive, yep. there are only a few names that you would put like in the same conversation. Now, I'm not even ready to concede that I would choose them before Russell Wilson at this point. With all due respect to like Tom Brady and sure. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Age has to come into fact. If you said who are you going to get the next three years, which I think most time you would say five. If it's three years, I'm taking Russell Wilson every single time Gangster. because of those question marks. Aaron Rodgers is a little bit, but Aaron Rodgers has had injury history lately, and he's playing great this season, right. and he's in this conversation too. But if you said three years, I've seen Russell Wilson be able to handle the style of play, which he plays with, run around, he protects his body. He's built to, He's built for this. Yeah, he's a big, and he's, yeah, he's, he's a big he's dude. He's built for this. He's big, and he's, a little he's, big dude. He's survived it. So uh, I, the other thing that I think is important, not to cut you off, is that like they've traditionally played like with a real defensive mindset. Like, um, I mean, they're still yeah. kind of conservative. Like they want to run the ball, but their defense isn't like stout like that this year. This is more weight on his shoulders in terms of like offensively having to move the needle than they've had in the past. So I, I do think you have to account for that too. So I was, I love value typically. Like find me a long shot, mm-hmm. a reasonable long shot where you maybe can make more money as opposed to three to one. What about Christian McCaffrey who's at 14 to one? I think see here's records, the thing. here's bro. what I'm talking records. Yes, he needs to he needs to smash records, but what else he needs? He needs his team to make the playoffs. I just was thinking and I think this could be something that Russell Still Wilson record. That's records. Yes, yes, exactly. Records and records. I think he has to do something for a running back. I think he has to do something historical yeah. record wise, you know, break some sort of all purpose yardage, do something along those lines. He is doing something that this hasn't been done, and I I'm trying to remember back to the last time I've seen a position player that's not a quarterback. Yeah. Put a team on his back. Account for this much. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew did it with Jacksonville. It was yep. like 47% of the team's offense or something like that. Right. Um, Marshall Falk did it one of those years where he was just carrying a heck of a load on the ground and catching it for yes. for those Rams teams. But those are two names that come. Chris Johnson's, what, 2,509 uh, scrimmage yards, I yep. think, is the record. He's 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 on pace. Yeah. Like, he's there. But it's a very elite um, group of, of and, and rare air that you're having a conversation about. So that's, me. so it is, so it is according to records. I think, I think if, OJ, actually, OJ's got the team yards from scrimmage 47.9. Yeah. And so OJ Simpson, there was only been two times yeah. in NFL history where the MVP was on a team that didn't make the playoffs. One of them was like in 1973 with OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm. The other one was in 1967. And I had it up yesterday. I forget who it was, but it's been that long. It doesn't happen because usually they figure, hey, the MVP, if he's that great, he's going to lift his team to the playoffs. Yeah. Where I think if Russell Wilson, if the Seahawks don't make the playoffs, I think he's done. I think if Christian McCaffrey does some of those things and he doesn't have his starting quarterback, right? Yeah. Cam Newton's hurt. I think he still might be in the mix. So as we're going through this, I'm talking myself into maybe taking that long shot and finding some value in Christian McCaffrey that's there because what he's doing is unprecedented. And I need to start like, having the same conversation about McCaffrey as I have about Lamar Jackson. Cause I've said, yeah. I worry about Christian McCaffrey being able to withstand like that. He's taking load. a pounding, He's taking a pounding. But like I said yesterday, you know, why don't we just like let it marinate for, for, for Lamar and appreciate it and not worry about it. I'm at that point with Christian McCaffrey. Hey bro, my bad. You can do that. Like right. you can withstand it. You're doing it. 
It hasn't been a problem. I'm not going to sit here and wonder if it, you know, if it slows down or not. You are proving that you can do it. And that's all I need to know, right? Let's yep. keep it moving. Enjoy the ride as yeah. it goes on. And Cam Newton's still a few weeks out, according to most reports, when he'll be back. So Kyle Allen's still at the helm for them. Uh, the other news out of the weekend was that we didn't get to yesterday was the Dolphins who are trying to lose, who are trying to lose, get beat, uh, beat, I should say, beat the New York Jets. Who are as bad a train wreck, dumpster fire, whatever term you want to describe, uh, to a team as is out there. I would say this. I think Adam Gase just sealed his fate and it's oh. going to be a one and done situation. I'd like to think I saw this coming because I was not a huge fan of the hire right from the get go, being pretty familiar with the way things have worked out. He has not adapted to professional athletes as a leader of a team. He's had some success as a coordinator. It's a different thing when you have to motivate 53 men. You have to handle personalities. You have to handle discipline. You have to do all these different things. Clearly, he has struggled with that. And, oh, by the way, he was brought in there specifically to, to uh, groom Sam Darnold. Yeah. He's had a setback this season. What's, I know he's hurt, but I think Adam Gase is going to be a one and done. You lump you lump uh, head coaches into like one or two um, barrels, right? You're either an offensive or you're a defensive guy. Yeah. He is a what? An offensive, offensive guy? Offensive guy, yep. They're dead last in offense. <laughs> exactly. Um, yep. You know, and that that's just – you know what he's doing for his job you put on top of that the fact that everywhere he goes he turns people off everywhere he goes he turns people off like he must be a great interview like i'm sure he's brilliant like he can probably get behind closed doors and really talk you into seeing the vision Mm -hmm. but then executing the vision uh, and having the people skills to go out there and do that is a whole different conversation and when it gets to that point he turns people off. You saw it here with the Dolphins. He couldn't get along with anybody. Yep. You don't run talent out the door. That's not your job. Your job is to take the talent you got and get the most out of it. He typically runs it out of the door, and you see him start to wear on people early. Like Larry Brown, we talk about um, shelf life on that, right? Other coaches in the NFL, shelf life on that. It's not year one. Right. Like, you don't, you don't no, have people in the seven, building. Seven, eight, year nine one. years. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about, like, uh, you know, if Larry was around three or four years. Usually you loved him, and then so That's more like Jim Harbaugh. Right. That's kind of his kind of MO. Not year one, dude. And it, it's it's year one with him all the time. And then he came out, and they asked him, like, was it embarrassing to lose to the Dolphins? And he stood up at a press conference and said no. Hmm. <laughs> what, like, what are you talking about, man? Right. You, They are tanking. They have, like adopted the mantra of tanking they are fine with they're rubbing people's noses in the fact that they are trying to lose and you are not embarrassed right come on man you gotta you gotta come out there and say this is embarrassing man and this is an opportunity to send a message to your team like hey this is unacceptable for what you want to do uh you know what he had maybe even more so than impressive interview skills he had the backing of peyton manning and that's really been the thing that he's written to multiple jobs now where i'm sure peyton manning gives him a strong endorsement and front office Owners are like, oh, then he must be great. I think we're finding out. Well, maybe it was Peyton Manning who was great, right. who was really running the offense because he was sort of an offensive coordinator on the field, and that's been a big reason for Adam Gase's success. So. I, I, it was, it was. Uh, so I was in the gym on Sunday, and the game was on, right? And it was fascinating to me because I was, you know, I was running around. People weren't even watching their kids play basketball right. because the Dolphins game was on. Right. And I'm not a Dolphins fan. I just live in the market, and so I follow it. Like I. I was like, you guys are tanking, right? Like you, you know, like, and they're like, yeah, but it's the Jets. And I'm like, well, does beating <laughs> the Jets actually trump like the quest for the number one pick? I found that fascinating. I'm like, you guys would rather give up potentially the number one pick in the draft and your future quarterback for one shot at beating the Jets. 
And almost universally, they were like, yes, we want to beat the Jets. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay. Right. right. Hey, you do that. All but right. if you, it's hard to see the big picture sometimes. It's hard to see the big picture sometimes. And as a competitor, you always want your team to win, but it actually hurt you uh, <laughs> there as you're trying to get, you know, to or whoever the number one player in the draft is, is going to be. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. So I was just talking about Tua Tonga-Valoa before we went to break. And Nick Saban says that Tua will be a game-time decision. I don't think there's any way Tua doesn't play in this game on Saturday on CBS 3.30 versus LSU. I just I don't think they would have gone down this road getting right. the procedure done if they didn't feel somewhat confident. I'm talking like 95%. He's already been at practice last week in his bye week. I think he's on pace to where they want him to be. I will be shocked if two is not under center for the tide. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 um, I don't know that it's a great idea for Tua and his family and, and his, uh, pro prospects. Like I've, I've voiced, um, my concern with that. Uh, As it relates to what? That he maybe he's 80% and he doesn't put his best foot forward or like what would be your concern? The, not, the procedure not, itself? Not the draft, the procedure, the continual yeah. going under the knife to chase, um, you know, a potential, you know, national championship for your college team when you're the projected number one pick. I think there's a conversation about like, selfless for selfish you know what i mean and 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 there's a balance there um and continually going under their knife for things like high ankle sprains i don't know that that's the right you have you have that major knee surgery because you've torn a ligament or something like that right. you have and to it's get an it obvious prepared. choice yeah but right. just trying to expedite a return to protect your your possible national championship run again how many guys you know that go under the knife for a high ankle sprain I have never. I, I played a lot, long time professional sports so a lot of never once correct so that's, this is a relatively new cutting edge procedure that you don't see a whole lot now if it, one advantage that he had is he had it done to the other ankle last year, and he saw, hey, I came back from it, was able to play at a high level in the playoffs. Right. But this is one week less, you know, and are you trying to push those boundaries? I'm with you. Without the $20 million guarantee or whatever it is, and I'm, I wonder, I'm, I'm assuming Bama's probably bought him an insurance policy for loss of value. But yeah. even with that, like it still could run the risk of, you know, impacting your career Absolutely. long term. So, but now that he's there, Again, I think he plays. Yeah, I, I believe you know? I, I believe he plays. Like, yeah. I, I look if you think Nick Saban and company would be letting you know definitively who their starter is going to be leading into the week. Right. Like right. No way. He's totally regardless. Yeah. He's absolutely playing. Uh, playing that card, saying, "Hey, we're not going to show you uh, everything that we're going to do." The other uh, bit of news out of here is Nick uh, Saban says that two is a game time. Was LSU? Uh, Michael Divinity, their sack leader, leads the team in sacks with three. So it's not like he's this massive impact on the team. Uh, decides to leave the team. He had a lengthy statement on Instagram where he didn't really, he just said, Hey, I'm dealing with some, uh, personal issues. Yeah. I'm going to get myself right. I'm going to focus on graduating, getting my schoolwork in order, come back in December and help this team down the stretch. I don't know. I have no clue what the issue is. I know it's not optimal. Like coaches hate the word distraction. Mm-hmm. They just hate it. They don't want to have to be answering questions. They don't want to have to plug in a backup. Ultimately, first off, Michael Vinity, whatever issues you have, I hope you take care of him. Like, that should obviously be the first priority. Ultimately, though, by his position, being a linebacker on a team that has a lot of athletes, I don't, I don't think he's the, the type of player that Chase Young is at Ohio State, sure. where he's been an impact. You don't see that happen a lot in college football. I don't think he's that type of player. Or Gregory Rousseau. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's that much of an impact loss for LSU. Oh, I agree. You know, where yeah, just, totally. it sucks for them that they're having to deal with it. It sucks for Michael Divinity. I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact on the game. I agree. Um, I do want to touch on, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff about society like today where we are as a culture that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like things are, that are, 
you know, acceptable. I voice my things about the kids and sports and all of that. I don't, I don't love it all. Like right. I feel like sometimes we're, we're, we're babying people. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that, that it's, it's, it's a good thing that we're at a place now where, where athletes feel safe. Uh, enough to come out and say, "Hey, look, I, I got some stuff going on." Mm-hmm. And there used to be a, t- a stigma about that, and it, it was taboo to say, "Hey, I need to step away, man. I got to take care of me." You know, like right. not not like people make you feel bad. Your teammates, like coaches, are like, "Dude, what are you doing? You can't leave us." I think we're like, it's more important, you know, the human element of that than the the, the possible, you know, uh, miss sack or two on the field. So I, I, while I often slam where we are, I appreciate that. I, like in and at least in the athletic world, we're at a place now where people feel like it's okay to open up and say, hey, I need some help. Like, I got to step away from this. It's not healthy for me. I got to get myself right before I can be right for you guys. You know? I think there's a lot of, you know, you get into a much deeper discussion about where we are as a society. I am a firm believer that what we are seeing over the past decade is just one big, massive social experiment with cell phone use, you know, social media use, all of these things yeah. that we didn't know about. Like, they did not exist when we were in high school and college and the impact that it's doing both. I think there's some good, but I definitely think there's some bad. Sure. And I think there's a real reason why anxiety is up. Depression is up. Like all these social issue, anxiety issues crop up. I think a lot of it's because of some of those yeah. issues. They're not sleeping as much. Like you wonder what that impact has on it. And so that's why I think you're going to see more of these issues crop up with athletes who are under a tremendous amount of pressure. They're hearing the criticism all the time. And this is without even knowing what issue he's dealing with. This is just a broader scope of, Hey, it's a lot different now of what kids are having to deal with than oh. when you and I were when it was a little bit simpler. Danny, look, my, 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 uh, my, I got a 12 year old. I talk about it all the time, man. And, you know, he put stuff up on Instagram about their team. They got a good little team within 20 minutes. He's got 20 people in his DMs from other teams around like, y'all ain't this, y'all right. ain't that. Yep. We're coming for you. Ain't, you ain't, which, you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 you know, we talk about it. Like I sit down with him. I'm like, listen, bro, like, you know, you, the difference is you get to hear it. I didn't always get to hear it. I was like, but it's always going to be there, you know? So we have to have these different conversations, but the effects, you know, aren't always great. Like, and I ad- admittedly, like I've had the conversation with my wife about like, is it good to ha- like have him up on that? Like, do you know what I mean? Like right. to some degree, he's marketing who he is as a little athlete and as a little person. And, yeah. and like he fishes a lot and he's got a lot of followers that, for fishing. Like th- that's an actual avenue now towards some kind of maybe, you know, career or future or, or, or what have you, but I don't know that it's great. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. Complete experiment. Yeah. We just don't know what, how this thing is going to end. All right. College football. We talked about the LSU Alabama game. Obviously that have playoff implications. Uh, the AP top 25 has been out. We've seen, uh, that a little bit of shakeup across the board of who's number one, but that does not matter. Uh, this is the latest AP poll. LSU is one, Bama's two, Ohio State three, Clemson four. Those would be your top four teams. Here's the thing, Raja. I think you'll see a different group of teams tonight. The committee has always thought differently. They get different analytics. They're supposed, I think they kind of want to be different too. Right. I think they want to be different than that. I do think you see some historical biases creep in in that one. And, you know, you can use resumes sometimes. I think there will be, um, two potential surprises tonight of what the committee will do. I think there's a chance of Clemson actually being ranked ahead of Alabama, which right. we haven't seen since Bama dropped after that close game against North Carolina. Clemson's resume is not great. Bama's isn't either. That's right. the thing. And uh, Clemson's opponent's win-loss percentage is actually stronger. So, and the committee does use a lot of analytics that are in there. Um, so I think they'll be at 3-4 somewhere in there. But here's another kicker. I think Penn State, who was sitting 5 in that AP poll, could jump both of them because their opponent's win-loss percentage is one of the best in the country. Like They've had a really good schedule. Wow. 
But like when you look at it and when the AP looks at it, some of the branding comes into play. Well, hey, the SEC is this and the Big Ten is this. I think the Penn State might be one of that wild card that jumps up to three. Because I do think LSU will be one. Right. And I think Ohio State will be two. And then I think it could be uh, Penn State three. And then uh, Bama or Clemson in that four spot. And everybody's – here's the thing. Everybody's get all worked up about it. Oh, my gosh. What is it? Like Clemson fans will be mad. Why are we at this point? Bama fans might say, how the heck could they – it doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter. The only – release that matters is in december when they come out with the one with the four teams right like that's the only one right, so, right. and it's only a snapshot of right now it's not projecting who they think is going to be in it's as if the season ended today which doesn't right. so take it with a grain of salt when you look at those uh rankings that come out uh the other team that's in there that i think could move outside of the top 10 from the committee is baylor and baylor and minnesota are two teams who are undefeated minnesota has a game against penn state where they really are I think valid instances of teams that you could say, well, who have you really beaten? Their right. schedule has been a cakewalk. Baylor has not played a team of significance yet, and I don't think they'll, you know, be in that top ten. I think for Baylor fans, it might be like, again, they're the team that's upset. Relax. If you beat Oklahoma twice to finish the season, because they would have to beat them November sixteenth, and then they'd have to beat them most likely in a Big Twelve championship game. And we got action. I think if you're Baylor and you run the table, you're in. I don't think that happens though, including this weekend. I think they might get beat against TCU. But if you do, you control your own destiny, which is really all you want to do. And I think the undefeated teams, Baylor and Minnesota, the two best instances, I think they're in. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not the way playing like um, playing at home. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I am a free agent next year, but what does that mean? Next question, next question. <laughs> we'll see. All right, that sound that you heard was Anthony Davis uh, talking to a group of people. There was a lot of Chicago memorabilia in that room. Yeah. I know exactly where it was. Yeah. But he did throw out there the possibility of a return to Chicago saying, hey, you never know. I'm a free agent after this year. This is a bad look, though, Terrible. isn't it? Terrible look. Like you're a Laker now, and they traded for you to make a run. Even if you're – like, you just can't put this out there. No, and I don't I – don't, think there was any agenda right his part i think, I think he was kind of thought he was being cute it was being cute yeah. like ask question but i think he got a little too cute and hopefully right. it doesn't become a major distraction for them but but those are the type of things like it's an ember right you know i hate to like you got wildfires right like they happen and the wind catches that thing and then now it's like a national story and that's just what they can't afford in la right now because they're playing well right and you know they look like the team that that um ha- has the chops possibly you can't afford for there to be distractions or even like for a LeBron to be like, mm, is this, this, this dude going to right? Like you don't need that. It's the last thing they needed. It's probably not a big deal. What would you do? Cause I guarantee you this is going to happen the next time he faces. Cause that was like, it's some sort of function, right? I don't know what exactly yeah. it was, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was playing to the crowd and he probably didn't realize it was going to get blown up. But what do you say if you're Anthony Davis, when he gets back in front of the Lakers beat writers who say, what did you mean? What do you I say? That right up. I say, I, say I, I was joking or I said, listen, I was, you know, I was, I have a great affinity for Chicago. It's my hometown. Like, and I was, you know, I, I was asked a question and I was just voicing how much I love Chicago, but I'm a Laker. Like, I'm here to win championships. Um, there will be no more discussions about, you know, possibly going to Chicago or anywhere else. We are on a quest for a championship. That's all I care about right now. You know what else is going to happen until he gets uh, a long-term deal, a new deal with the Lakers. This is always going to be brought up. And when you see odds and, you know, opinion pieces that are put out there, potential landing spots, they're going to use, they're going to hang on yeah. to this and say, oh, Chicago's always an option because you, you he just, said this. If, of course. But you, yeah. did, you, know, you brought that on yourself. But all he can do now is continue to say, guess what? I am a Laker. 
Right. That's whenever so as soon as but he even starts still, to open his mouth, I'm a Laker. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Laker. Right. I'm a Laker. I want to win a championship. That's it. That's all right. I'm doing. Right. But even still, if you say all oh, I'm focused on I'm a Laker. This year. <laughs> yes. But it's a tough he created this now. No, he did. Because now he probably wouldn't have to answer. And you saw Kevin Durant. It drove Kevin Durant up the wall last year, having to answer it all yes. the time. You have to say I'm a Laker. Yes. No. Just get out in front of it as quickly as you yeah. can. That wasn't the only controversial thing he said in there. New Yorkers might be upset this one. I've always assumed I think it is worth a de- worthy of a debate that New York City was the Mecca of basketball. Yeah. Have you heard otherwise? Have you ever heard of another team? Because Anthony Davis Speaking of Chicago, brought this one up. You called the Mecca basketball. Right? What, do you, what, made you, what makes you say that about the city? I mean, it is. We've got the best basketball players ever. I mean, you look at, you know, the history and all the guys we got, you know, and that made the league and even the guys that didn't make the league, you know. Um, they say New York, but it's not even close. All right, so... Your thoughts, your initial reaction? Chicago's never been referred to as the Mecca, like on a, on a national scale. Right. But Chicago basketball is, is legit. When I was a young, my dad's from Chicago. Um, and I'd go visit my grandparents on the South Side every summer. Um, and my dad and my uncle would take me to like, uh, the, the, the men's leagues there. I forget what the league was called. I was little, but MJ and those guys would play in it. Isaiah Thomas in the summertime. Like they were fantastic, like, uh, uh, events, like the basketball. And he hit the nail on the head. There are a lot of guys from Chicago that have men- never made the NBA that are phenomenal. But just let me give you a list of names. All right. Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, Tim Hardaway, Mo Cheeks, Anthony Davis, George Dan Mikan, uh, Doc Rivers, Mark Aguirre, Andre Iguodala, Corey Maggette, Sean Marion, Michael Finley, Fred Van Vliet. Like they put out a lot, a lot of talent, um, in Chicago and it's never really got the national buzz like New York because New York's New York. Right. But don't get them twisted. They I put have out a seen lot of good people, basketball. I have seen some people push back. Like he referenced the best player ever to come, that, like as Michael Jordan. But yeah. Because he, you know, he played for the Bulls, but he's not from there. He's from North Carolina, right? Right, right, right. Um, so I don't know. Like I think he. You don't get to claim that. No, you don't get to claim that. I think he could have had a better answer prepared if you can. But he, I'm sure he was just talking. Like he's just, hey, my right. hometown. Um, do they have an equivalent of a Rucker Park, like sort of a legendary place? I don't know. I'm sure they do have a park. I'm sure they do. Rucker. I don't know what it's called. Right. Um, um, would you push back at people that say, because I've seen some arguments unfold where, hey, the Knicks haven't been relevant. Like, how can you call New York the Mecca when they haven't been that great as of recent? It's still the history um, is there. Yeah, I think Even in New York City, like I think high school basketball. it's the culture of, of basketball in New York, not just the Knicks. Like, I, you know, I think it's for a long time, like, you know, New York playgrounds and the kids that were coming out of New York were just, you know, so much more advanced. They were the probably the one of the first real cities for kids to just walk around with balls in their hands all the time, right? Yeah. They just and so for the longest, like a kid from Florida, you know, would never really compete with the kid from from New York just because they were that much more advanced basketball wise and and the and the uh, the options to play were 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 so more abundant. Um, but other places have caught up in that regard. New York's still really good. But they don't hold that same advantage that they held maybe two decades ago in terms of like grassroots, just we're all about basketball um, type of city. Maybe if they get things figured out in Brooklyn or with the Knicks, maybe they will. Maybe they will be. No, I mean they're still dope. Don't get yeah. that twisted. You're yeah. talking about uh, you know, Rucker and 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 what's the other park that all Dykeman and all right. of those parks that and they even go historically to. Historically, like, you had St. John's, like you had some college programs that were pretty good and legit, and there was a lot of excitement the, around basketball. Still king. I'm yeah. just saying other. And cities. they still have like those Christmas tournaments oh, dude, at the yeah. Garden. The Garden's the mecca. Like Absolutely. you know, you think about that from that aspect. Um, so yeah, I definitely would disagree with AD, but uh, some good points by you. Chicago's not that far behind. Uh, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat 
what he i think he's a guy that gets easily irritated and then he's <laughs> not afraid to hold back which i love in right. our business right, right. um he had some choice words from people that questioned him going to Miami, implying there could be some issues in Philly. Let me read you his quote. Mother bleepers act like I'm not a good basketball player. Like, for real. Just think about that. Like, I can't come in and make a huge difference. I'm not going to say carry a team because nobody can do it by themselves. And I mean that. I'm not putting it all on myself, but I know what I'm capable of. Nobody knows what really went on in Philly, and we're going to leave it that way. But it was a great opportunity for me. All of that will come out whenever it's time. Right now is not the time. I'm locked in with this. I'm happy, man. I'm not saying Philly wasn't great. Butler said we had some really good players. I talked to Joel. Joel, damn near every bleeping day. It's a brotherhood. I love that guy. I'm going to have his back, and I know he'll always have mine. Weird. Right? Um, it's just, I mean, like, yeah, weird on a... What I imagine, um, she's throwing shade at Ben Simmons. Like that to me is always the guy you leave bit. out, you left don't him bring out. up and, you know, lift him up. Then maybe it's an issue you have with him. And I think skill set wise, like I always worried about Philly last year in terms of who was going to have the ball down the stretch and their skill sets would kind of, they would step on each other's toes, so to speak, because they're both perimeter based. They both want the ball to create off the dribble. Joel doesn't do that so much. So that's not going to be a, Unnecessarily a conflict. Like it was like when LeBron and D Wade got together with Chris Bosch. Right. Chris Bosch worked fine with either one, LeBron or D Wade. LeBron and D Wade had to figure out how to work together because both of them wanted the ball. Right. You know what I mean? And they both needed it to, to, to kind of do what they did. So, um, that was always the danger that I thought, uh, was there in Philly last year. It wound up actually looking like the ball became more Jimmy's down the stretch and the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. He was taking over games. But you're invested in Ben Simmons if you're the Sixers, right? And right. maybe he felt some pressure from the organization, Jimmy Butler, that is, that like, hey, listen, bro, this is going to be Ben's ball. I don't know. I'm purely speculating. Right. That was really interesting, though. Yeah, it was. I think there's a little bit of a revelation in there. I could picture Jimmy. You tell me if you think I'm wrong. I could picture him. Ben Simmons' three-point struggle has been well-documented. I could see Jimmy Butler getting in his face and being, man, just take the damn shot. Like, getting after him in a game. Like, you're going to let them show you up. I say, just take a shot. Make the shot. Like, getting after him, challenging him. Yep. Some guys don't respond to that. They and don't. I think Joel, like, Joel's a vocal, you know, big personality. I think he could go back and forth with Jimmy and be like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. Make whatever you want me to do. Jimmy would also strike me as the type of cat that if he were playing against Ben Simmons, oh, um, man. would be I, like killing him because he wouldn't shoot the right daring um, him all game yeah, long at which point like if you're sitting in a practice and you're the front office you you again you're like hey listen man we can't stunt ben's growth all right, <laughs> right. we're not gonna do anything exactly. to stunt ben's growth right, right? so right. i don't know and, i mean remember he was in back in minnesota and they were saying like he trashed oh the first yeah. like maybe he was doing that yeah, and it was yeah, starting yeah. to become a problem you're gonna want to put him on your on the team with the with with <laughs> best scrubs. players no put him on the team with oh, the best players so, they just so yeah so he yeah. just plays and you don't have no problems all right so speaking of the miami heat they're former our assistant coach David Fisdale, now the head coach of the New York Knicks, had some very uh, he's my favorite guy. Like he's emotional, tells yeah, things like it is. Dude. A little bit old school mentality. Speaking of old school, I'm curious to hear your reaction when he was talked about RJ Barrett's workload. He's got the day off tomorrow. We gotta get off of this this low management crap. That's so Latrell Sprewell averaged 42 minutes for a season. Like this kid's 19 years old. Like, drop it already. I love it, man. Give me old school, man. Tell these guys to play. They the the, the question he was asked is: R.J. Barrett played 41 minutes. Uh, you know, are you going to start monitoring him? And he was his response was: Well, he's got a day off tomorrow. What are we worried about? What right. are we talking about? He's young. 
You've been one that's been a little bit more contemporary coming along and you're thinking, mm-hmm. saying guys deserve nights off and they should have a little bit more load management. It's a situational thing. That is the appropriate response. For a young player like R.J. Barrett. For a young player like R.J. Barrett on a team that's probably not going to win a championship this year. He is 19 years old. He is fully capable of playing 30-some minutes, taking a night off and coming back and doing it two nights later. No problem. When you are on a team um, that has championship, real championship aspirations, like uh, – um, and you're dealing with guys that are in their eighth, ninth year in the league, pushing 30 years old, um, the last thing you can have is that season derailed by injury. So then factoring in getting these guys a little bit more rest later in the season, we're only like eight or nine games into the season also. So right. like at this point, no one should really be worried about it. Like, But later in the season, I do think load management becomes a real thing and trying to protect yourself from that untimely injury that could cost you your 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 one run at a championship. So RJ Barrett is 19. Uh what how many years in would you start saying all right guys deserved it? Is it 25 is it 25 years I, I old? I think it's, it it completely depends on what your wh- where is your team um in terms of uh you know it, it, it it's potential to win a championship and you know I would say like if a team didn't have a chance to win a championship uh Danny but you had a prize like number one player in the NBA and you're trying to build around him. I would say around like, you know, 25 years old, you could start like giving him a night here or there where, where, where you, you monitor him, right? Cause you don't want to burn him out, you know, and, and not have, you know, that, that, that prime of his if you could potentially put a core around him. But I think it all depends on where you are in that window, man. Like, and then nobody at 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, even on good teams playing for championships, they shouldn't be monitored. They can play all day. Yes, they can. I am an old school guy. I think you figure out the load management by managing minutes throughout the season. I don't, I don't think you have to give off entire games, but understand some guys have deals where they, hey, they want to average a certain amount of points. Sure. There, there are certain uh, personal goals that are there. The reason I'm a little bit surprised at you is because of some of your numbers of what you played. Because yep. you were a guy who played a lot of minutes. So twice in your career, uh, 37 minutes per game, when you were 29 and 30 years old. So you were getting up there in NBA years uh, and played in 79 and 78 games those seasons. Do you yeah. remember the three or four games that you got off? Like, what was it they for injury? I had That's a, what I was going to say. I, I didn't think they were ribs. off nights. Um, I had, and you only missed one for separated ribs? I missed two games for separated ribs. Manu Ginobili, I think, hit me. Um, it was dirty, too. Um, <laughs> and then the other year, I, I don't remember. Um, but what was else? there ever an off night? Like, hey, Roger, you, you no, take no, 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 no. That, <laughs> right. that wasn't an option. But I never wanted one. Right. Like, I wanted to play. When Mike D'Antoni would ask me if I was all right, yep. Like, whether I was or wasn't, yes, right. I'm fine. Let's <laughs> right. go. But I was a competitor like that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, See, I, that's what I wish we had more guys. Because I think it's kind of become a status thing, and it's become a cool thing. Oh, hey, yeah, give yeah. me the night off. Let me wear my sweet suit. No question. My chains, my shoes, my new jade. No like, question. Let me just go look the part. Like, And that bothers me because I think that becomes – the norm then and i think that's what we've seen it's more guys are like yeah i want the night off i want to be that guy i want to be the status so as much as i wanted to play all those minutes um and i didn't want to come out of the game you know what happened to me at the end of one of those seasons what i blew my calf out i tore my calf maybe from overuse and we we were the favorite to win the championship probably that year the heat got there and they wound up beating dallas and dallas beat us i had torn my calf uh and i couldn't play in two games and we were already super thin so we didn't have enough like we just didn't have enough weapons at that point. Amari was out, and we had still played great all season. Um, but we had beat the Heat, like Dwayne Wade and 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 Shaquille O'Neal, by like twenty to thirty points both games. And we really felt like if if we beat um, Dallas, we would smoke the Heat. And boom, I tore my calf, and I was you know I, I played too many minutes. Yeah, that's that's uh, 
It's crazy the way things work out. The way you look back on things and you're like, hey, maybe I could have used some of the advantages they have today. The other team that was on last night that won was the Warriors. And I saw a picture of Steph Curry who just had uh, surgery, was out there rooting for his team. Like in front of the TV, he's like, yeah, way to go. Why you ain't at the game, boy? Was it the day of? How how much time were we talking? I don't know. About? If it because was the it day was, of, I hear you. But still, it's a hand. It's not something that's weight-bearing. I don't like. You're not in North Carolina, are you? Like you're in. Maybe a, he is. If maybe he's he in went, North Carolina, maybe he that's went one to thing. See a specialist. I'm not a. He looked like he was sure. in front of his TV. Uh, it did like, look it like looked, he was. It did look like a hotel room. Houses. He might have. I'm, he probably has a crib in Charlotte. I think he's got a crib in Charlotte. <laughs> he probably has multiple cribs. <laughs> so if he's in Charlotte, I hear you. Right. I'm assuming that's because you're 30 minutes from the game, though, bro. Like, why don't you just show up and support your guys? You know, it's great to put the picture on there but yeah, we're playing with your kids for the so first it's just the first thing that came to my mind i, I, I agree like, i think it was there too but the bigger question is um he's expected to be out three months yeah. like, why bring him back why out? bring especially if clay thompson you're assuming already that he's going to be out just shut them both down you know i get for i guess for fans you want to put your best foot forward and kind of give them something to watch but there's no real advantage is there no nah, probably not but you're talking about march April. Yeah, so three May. months is still a lot That's of the a season. a lot of left. season. I don't know. Three how months you is could... a long time off, yeah. and then there's still a long time to go. Yeah, I think so you, you might have to bring forced. him back. Yeah. But, um, load management. I would definitely, I would definitely make sure he was a hundred percent. Yes. And I'm sure they will. They've always pretty much, aside, and Kevin Durant was kind of a unique thing. They've typically taken pretty good pair of their players. Yeah. Especially Seth with his ankle issue. They've always been extremely cautious with him throughout there. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. We have breaking news out of the NBA as the NBA has just suspended John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks, uh, suspended without pay for 25 games for violating the terms of the NBA, NBPA anti-drug program by testing positive for growth hormone releasing peptide 2. Uh, it was announced today. Well, the suspension will begin tonight, uh, between the Spurs and Hawks. He will miss that game. Um, they're two and three. Trey Young had started off the season on fire. You at one time had said potentially they could make the playoffs. How much of a blow is this to that run, potential run? Big blow. He was a huge part of what they were doing. Um, and the uncertainty around Trey's ankle, um, you know, there, there's the good news is you're in the Eastern Conference and it might not run away from you. Uh, but that's a lot of games for John Collins to miss. He was one of their, their better players that have been playing great. Uh, that, that's a tough blow. Are you su- um, surprised at this? Cause I think. I was always pretty naive at the end of my career. I said, oh, not many people are doing it. I am well aware now many more guys are using, and it's usually human growth hormone is the drug of choice yeah. for today's athlete. It's a little harder to detect. It's more expensive to detect. Are you surprised that it doesn't happen more, or are you saying like, it's kind of expected? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I don't I know guys are using it, but I don't think it's as prevalent in the NBA as it is um, in some of the other sports maybe. But I, I'm not naive enough to think that people aren't, aren't, aren't using it. You know? Right. And, and – um, the NBA has just recently, I don't know how many years, really started testing for that type of stuff. Like when I played, you didn't get tested for HGH. That's a blood test, right? Right. Like, yeah. We, we didn't have any of those. We, that, we were just P tests. So, right. you know, guys were probably, you know, doing it, um, more. I, yeah. But again, listen, I've said this before, Danny, and, you know, I, like somebody had approached me and showed me the difference between what I made oh. versus the, the like eight times more that I could have made. Yeah. If I cycled one of those things. Yep. I'm not sitting here telling you I wouldn't have done it. Right. I've talked to my dad a lot about this because I didn't go baseball and I thought about going baseball. I would love baseball was my first sport. I went to the NFL. I never really was tempted in the NFL because it was stringent drug policy. Not a lot of guys did it. As I mentioned, I didn't think they did. Yeah. I played quarterback. So it sure. just wasn't that common. If I would have played baseball, there probably would have been a lot more pressure on me to do it, a lot more opportunity to do it. 
And if I would have looked around and seen everybody else, I probably would have been like, yeah, you know what? I'm yeah. trying to compete with these guys. Let me get in that. Let me, you know, let's yeah. see what it can yeah. do and be willing to take a risk. And, you know, who knows what the long-term consequences could have been because I still think we don't know right. the steroids and human growth hormone and all these. But I think I probably would have been tempted for sure. Uh, Jorge Masvidal uh, won the fight against Nate Diaz. It was called after Nate Diaz's cut. We talked about this yesterday. After the fight, he had some comments. He was kind of, I think people thought he was joking about wanting to fight Canelo Alvarez, of course, was boxing on the same night. He was asked again about it. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm serious about this. I want to do it. You're shaking your head. You know why I think he's really smart for saying this? It's all about oh. the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the money. I think he realizes the crossover success that the McGregor um Mayweather fight had. Yes. He's like, sign me up for that. And this would be the closest equivalent to that. You got one of the best in boxing. You got one of the best in UFC. Why not give it a shot? No, look from from a marketing standpoint, from trying to maximize like your your window of opportunity, like you're hot right now. I'm all for that. Like, do that, dude. I'll go out there, promote it, talk as much crap as you want. Like, do your thing. Like, he's a Miami guy. Like, I, I'll ride. I like him. Um, he, you don't want to see um, Canelo though in a boxing match, like purely boxing with like, Masvidal. With Masvidal, you right. don't. You don't, like. You don't want to do. You're, there's no. Like, but they would purely, probably play it up though, the way the that they were. No, you know. Look, like, the, yeah, the, the event will be great. Yeah. But the, the match itself, right. Like, it's not going to be. I, if they're going to go down that, which I actually love that they're going down this road, I would say, all right, then make it a two, you know, I don't know. You can't do it back to back because there's takes pummeling each other, but go, all right, boxing in November 1st and on December 1st, you got to go UFC. But I guarantee you, Canelo, Canelo or any not boxer, do that. Good. want no part of no that. No part of that. Cause <laughs> while Canelo, you don't want to see him, like Canelo's definitely not wanting to see Masvidal in, 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 without them big old gloves. Uh, and with knees and elbows and, and all of that stuff coming at you. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm down for it. I'll watch. Right. I'll pay for it. Right. Yeah. I would too. So I'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see if it does happen. Uh, side note quickly as we end the show, I was out with Shad, our buddy from UFC. Yeah. He sticks to his diet. I can testify to it. He didn't have any meat, any nothing. So good for him. Shad Evans, one of the best to ever do it. Very right. water too. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. See ya.